a day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
supply all of our needs according to your riches, according to your glory. Father, I pray that we would depend on you and you alone, that we want to depend on a paycheck, Father, that we would just be diligent and know that you will supply. We put our trust in you, Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, your mercy never fails. 
He runs after us, even when we spend our whole inheritance. Just like the prodigal son, it says that the father was looking for him daily, and when he saw him, he ran to him. So if you've been running, I encourage you just to turn towards him. He's going to meet you where you are. Because he is so, so good, and he wants to be with his children. He wants good things for you. He has plans to prosper you. 
should have said, he's got a little bit of a testimony to share that kind of runs in with the song that we're singing here. Go ahead. Song says, in the darkness where we go, you're there with us. And the Lord reminded me that there was a time years ago that I ran away from him. I pushed away my family, all of my friends, the church that I was attending at the time, and I ran away from him. And I moved away from my family. I moved 100 miles south to back, back my old home in southern Ohio where he took me from. And all the people that I went down there to be with abandoned me. And I remember literally sitting on a kitchen chair in the middle of the kitchen floor by myself all alone in the dark. And at that point, I remembered that there was still one that was with me. In the darkness that I chose to go in at that point, I looked around and none of my friends were there. My family was gone because I had left them. But Jesus was still with me right there in the dark. He chose to stick beside me and remind me I'm still here. When Joseph went into the pit, it said God went with him into the pit too. He was always there. And so my testimony is that when our love for the Lord fails and we choose to go in dark places, he follows us there. He doesn't say, you got yourself there, now return yourself to me. He said, I'm going to go with you there, and I'll carry you back out if I have to. But even in darkness, I'll never leave you. You know, God is, God is ever seeking to break into your world. You know that? You, you cannot run too far for his reach. Remember, God is with you. God is for you. He's working for your good. And there's nothing out there that can separate you from his love. You know that? And sometimes when we make choices that kind of go against God's faithfulness, that doesn't ever cancel his faithfulness. God is always faithful. He's always the God that is with us. Even sometimes when we don't feel it, even when we're making decisions that aren't the best decisions, God is faithful to us. Amen? So how about this? If, if you've been feeling... Lately, I'm just going to go off of what Judah's saying here. If you've been feeling recently that you, you feel alone, you kind of feel a little lost maybe, you feel disconnected, I want to encourage you just in this next moment, if we can just run through that song a little bit again. Allow his presence to grab hold of you today. I, I believe God's with us. I believe he's here right now. I believe every time we get together, he's in our midst. Allow him to do what only he can do in these kind of moments, okay? Let's, let's sing that song. Just kind of reach out to him and let's see what he can do. In the longing of our souls, in the darkness where we go, you were there, you were alone, you were all together good. Of our faith in the silence where we wait, you are here, you are not, you are all together good in the longing of our souls in the darkness where we go, you are there. 
silence where we wait You are here, you're enough You are all together Sorrow comes.
sun sets free is free indeed. Well, we're so glad to have you guys here with us this morning. If you would just go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning, that would be awesome. Well, it's good to have you today. Good, good to be in the, be in church together. So let's take up tithes and offering. If you have something to give, you can prepare that offering envelope in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, and one of the ushers will help you out. So we bring the our tithe and our offering unto the Lord, because the tithe is holy unto him. And it's always uh, part of our worship. I know worship is not, just, is not just singing songs together. You know that. Worship is how you live. We express how we live with our life in song together. And, and one, one of the uh, things about singing together because it involves the entire being when you sing. So it involves your mind, it involves your physical body, right? And it's, and it's not just the voice, but we, we have expressions of clapping our hands, raising our hands, bowing down. These are all a, a whole body experience of, of an expression of our thanksgiving and gratitude and worship of our God, right? But as one part of an expression, you know, giving is another expression of worship. So we think, well, praise and worship is singing songs. No, praise and worship is how you live. Worship is how you live. That's, songs are an expression. Giving is an expression. Gratitude of life is an expression. There's different expressions of the fact that we live in a worshipful way 
to our creator, the one who has saved us, one who provides for us. So songs, in a certain way, is reminding ourselves that we're not God and, and he is, right? Giving is a reminder, in a certain way, of the constant provision of God. That second song uh, that we were singing, Honey from the Rock, that's from the scriptures. In other words, it is a, a song about the provision of God that is always available for us. Okay, so, and, and every time we give in our tithe and our offering, it is an expression of worship from the provision that God has brought to our lives and continuing that. God is always putting uh, our provision in front of us. And we said this before, remember, God didn't make man then make the world that he subsisted off of. He made the world first and then put man and what he made in the provision, Right? In other words, God always puts provision in front of you. So, so in other words, in that life of faith and believing that, that we will believe and live in this day our daily bread. Then beyond that, it's not just a provision for what God is doing for me, but then when there is increase, we give a worship in our tithe and our offering to God. But then also, if there is much increase, increase, it's not just so, hey, I'm, I got increased, great, I got, I got stuff. No, it, it is, it is well, what can we do for others, right? So this is always an extension. I know we do meet and greet. Meet and greet is a certain way, an extension of our worship also, because there's a fellowship of believers that we come together, right? So all these acts of, of singing together, uh, greeting one another, then coming and giving. These, it's just all expressions of worship. Amen? So as you come today, it, 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 we're, we're still worshiping as we give, right? All right, so Tom, if you would, raise your seat, just stand up, and if you'll pray over tithe and offering for me, I put him on the spot this morning, but I know Tom will deliver, so <laughs> go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I know you do. Amen. Thank you, Tom. If you have something, bring it forward this morning. Um, you can pray. By the way, we have some families out today, but like uh, not long ago, Kelly McCarthy's grandmother passed away, so they were at a, a funeral in, in Maryland this week. I know Nathan and Felicia, one of uh, their grandparents passed away, so they're in West Virginia, and that came on on Thursday. So pray for some families that are out, just things going on uh, for them, so keep them in prayer. Uh, some announcements uh, for you this morning is, uh, again, don't forget Monday, church-wide prayer from 6 to 7 right here. So if you have never been at church-wide prayer, I encourage you to come out. And, and we are a praying church, so it's important for us to join together in prayer. Uh, we got a kids and youth event coming up at the end of this month in October. So October 28th, which is a Friday, from 5.30 to 8, it's all-ages kids event, okay? So... And then at 8 o'clock, the kids are going to get picked up and head out. Then 5th through 12th grade stays for a lock-in overnight. So uh, if you have questions about that, so Amanda, uh, Chamberlain, the, the, some of the youth team are putting that together. Josh, they're not, he's not here today, uh, even Nathan. Uh, but there will be a sign-up out there on Wednesday night so we can 
uh, know how many kids are coming out for that. But that will be a good time, so make sure your young person involved in that. And this next thing is, is important to me. Um, during church on Wednesday night, starting the 19th, so I don't know if that's a week from this coming Wednesday, we're going to have a small group. So when worship is over, you can attend the small group. Tori's lead, so wave your hand around so everybody knows who Tori is. Tori's leading the small group, and after worship's over, this group's going to go somewhere and meet. Well, I'm still going to do a message in the normal service. But it's a small group called Out of the Cave, and it deals with uh, depression and anxiety and these different kind of things. So I think it's important that it's a small group in a sense that it's just not a message from the pulpit, but it's a time to get together, talk together, and be together. Um, if you're interested in being a part of that, see Tori. There's no sign-up for this. Just see Tori personally so she knows. And, again, that's going to start meeting a week from Wednesday. Uh, do you know that, so, so for instance, the October, November, December are my most favorite time of year. I love the weather. I love the festivities. I love the holidays. I love everything involved in it. But there are people that it's entirely the opposite. That for a lot of people, this is to them the worst time of year. It's a time when depression and uh, anxiety really grabs hold. And I, we were listening to something the other day, and I don't know if it's actual uh, successful suicide or attempted suicide. I'm not sure which it is. But between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the number of either attempted suicides or, or successful suicides equals the rest of the year. So this, this season is a very hard season for a lot of people. First of all, let me say this. Depression and anxiety is not a sin. Let's get out of that. It's something that people go through. And, uh, but I also believe that God is there with us and God can help us. Okay? Um, so that's what this small group's about. So if you're interested, in, if you have some questions, you can see Tori about it. But let her know. And I'd love to see some people involved in that. Uh, and, and I know it's during church when I'm speaking. I'm not the lone voice in, in the world here. I think there's some things that I'm not necessarily preaching on that are good to talk about. That's why we're doing it during church. We, we do, by the way, small groups off, off uh, service nights, and if you're interested in joining a small group, we have a, a men's small group that meets. We have three ladies' small groups that meet. Uh, we have, uh, of course, the Joy Fellowship. Is a, I consider a small group they meet. So if you're interested in small groups and you're not a part of one, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. It's a general way for small groups, but specifically for this small group, see Tori, and she'll get you connected with what's going on there. Okay. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get that out. We're, we're second week into a series entitled Encounters with Jesus. I believe that everybody can have an encounter with God in such a way, a personal encounter, that can change us. I believe that. What, well, uh, in the mid-70s, some of you guys remember this, in the mid-70s, a long time ago. When I think mid-70s, I think just a few years ago, but mid-70s is like a long time ago now. Mid, mid to late 70s, there was a movie that came out Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You ever hear, hear of this movie? How many of you have seen it? Okay, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So I was just a, a kid kid when it came out, but I did see it later at some point. And there's actually a, a list that they actually use. This is, this is real, and it's encounters of, of what they consider uh, life out there. Uh, the first encounter is a, a visual encounter. We saw something. The second encounter would be there was an effect of something that happened that we think is connected to something out there. And the third encounter is actually a physical presence 
we saw an actual whatever it is, okay? So the movie's about the actual encounter with the physical presence that, that happens at the end of the movie. Hope I didn't spoil it for you. But anyways, um, close encounters of the third kind. I believe that we can have close encounters with Jesus. Now, now today, that's in the activity of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, Jesus is not here in physical form, right? He's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven with all power and authority subjected to him. But we can encounter Jesus in very powerful ways that can change and alter our lives. Now, I can look back uh, from the time that I, that I really started to, to live for him, and I can remember certain times when I had encounters with him that marked me in a certain way that I remember. But I also believe at the same time, every single day we can live with him and live in his guidance and live by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So what we've been doing is, and we're going to continue to do, is we're, we're looking at, in the Gospels, some people who had specific personal encounters with Jesus and what it did for their lives. So John chapter number 4, it's a little bit of a, a lengthy passage we're going to read. But John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to start in verse number 4. And we're going to read down for a while here. There's a, there's a lot to this, a lot of layers happening here. We're going we're to check in on Jesus and his encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. So John chapter 4, and verse number 4, and this, by the way, this encounter with Jesus, with the Samaritan woman, is highly unusual. First of all, Jews and Samaritans did not associate. If you know anything about the stories uh, of, the, of the Good Samaritan, why that was such, such a, a, a parable that grabbed people's hearts, because Samaritan, who was a, Samaritans are like enemies of the Jews, he was the one that acted most like God versus the Jewish religious leaders in the parable. Uh, we have the other story about James and John wanting to call down fire from heaven and burn up the Samaritan town. Remember why? They're enemies, okay? So Jews and, and Samaritans did not get along. They had the same ancestry, but, but at some point there was a division. They did not get along. They did not associate, number one. So this was a Samaritan woman. And the second thing is it was a woman. Those that were considered religious teachers, rabbis, like Jesus was, was turning himself out to be, they simply did not associate with women. That's just the way it was. So in two cases, Jesus is, is sitting down having a personal alone time with somebody that's considered an enemy of the Jews and also a woman, which he would generally not have done. But I find that Jesus often is around people that we don't think he should be around. Isn't that right? Jesus is often around the people we, in our thinking, don't think he should be around. In other words, remember, he came to seek and save those that are lost. And those that, that, that we would find, well, they're, they're, they're sinful, they're, they're opposed to the God that I serve, they're doing all this stuff that would make sure that Jesus is with me and not them, but I find that he's with them. Because that's who he's after. So, John chapter 4, and verse number 4. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weird as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so that was about noon. 
And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her. I, 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 like, I like that, again, Jesus rarely responds in a very direct and straight out, out way. He's always saying things or asking questions to draw the person in closer to something that he really wants to say. So in verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty. You have to come here to draw water. But again, she's not quite grasping what's happening here. But Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and what you now have is not your husband. So what you have said is true. And Jesus working like the gift of knowledge right there. And Jesus said to her, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped down, verse 19. And a woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the, is the place where people ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship here. So God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, now there's more involved in this we're going to get into. But Jesus is having a personal encounter with somebody that generally he should not have been with, according to customs and what people thought. And he meets this woman in a place, and as he would always do, there, there is a, a, a practical need. He wants a drink because he's thirsty and he's weary from his travel. But he's taken the moment to turn it into something more and greater of much more importance to this woman than just gathering water from this well. As a matter of fact, she has some understanding about things. She says, hey, we know the Messiah is going to come, who is called the Christ. We know he's going to show us all these different things. And, and, and Jesus is, you know, almost playing coy right there. He's like, yeah, well, if you understood who's sitting here with you, yeah, you'd learn some things your life would be changed, and that's what's happening here. As a matter of fact, he, he gives, uh, again, a word of knowledge that he sees into her life and, and calls some things out that she's, oh, man, this guy is a prophet. 
He knows about me even though he doesn't know about me. And there, there's an interaction happening here that changes the course of her life. Here's the first thing. An encounter with Jesus will satisfy you with what you really need. Now notice what he's saying there. Let's, let's go back to verse number 13. It says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Jesus satisfies what you really need. Now, how many of you, when you got up this morning, you were hungry and ate something? How many? Listen, I think it's a red flag for people who don't eat breakfast. I'm just telling you, that's the best meal of the day. I'm just saying, all right? So uh, I'm a breakfast eater. So when I get up in the morning, I'm getting ready. I'm planning in my mind, what am I going to eat? Anybody else like me? Okay, so why? why? Because I have practical needs in my life. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. So I, 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 don't, I had some bowl of cereal this morning. It's not my thing, but I, I ate one today, okay? Cereal's not my thing. I like to make an egg, right? I like to make some toast. That's me every morning. She does not make it for me. Maybe you can talk to her about that, but I make it for myself, okay? <laughs> Maybe you can help me out a little bit. So I, I did have cereal this morning, but you know what I'm going to do? After church is over today, we're going to drive home, and what am I going to do again? Eat. I'm going to get something to eat. I'm not fasting right now, folks. I'm going to eat. And you know what's going to happen about four or five hours later? I'm going to eat again. And you know what's going to happen in between that time? I'm going to snack. And chances are right before I go to bed, I'm going to snack again. That's me. Why? I have practical needs, people. I get hungry. I get thirsty. I get tired. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. I'm getting old, man. If I, if I don't get my seven hours, I feel it. All right? So last night... So I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a Phillies fan. The Phillies are in the playoffs. They won last night, moved on to the next round. But the game was over at midnight. I was literally at midnight going, I'm going to be tired in the morning, but I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to be tired in the morning. I have needs. I need to sleep. You know what I'm saying? We have practical needs, but Jesus gives us and satisfies the need that we really need. Now, he, and we're going to talk about this. He meets us in our, our moments, and he, he does fulfill our practical needs. But he fulfills the need that only he can fulfill. And you won't find it without him, because he is the only answer. He is the answer to every deep longing within each person. Now, remember when we were talking about this, this series on sharing our faith? People need Jesus whether or not they realize they need him. And they try to fulfill this longing within them with all these different things in their life, with relationships and money or success. And they try to fulfill this longing within them, but it is only Jesus that can fulfill it. There's, there's a guy, he's a, a philosopher, Blaise Pascal. He was alive in the 1600s. may not care, but he said something that was good. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the hearts of each man that cannot be satisfied by only created things, by only God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. Every person has, as he said, a God-shaped hole, a God-shaped vacuum within them 
that was made that way by God because of relationship with him. And until they find Jesus to fill that hole, that hole will be a black hole of nothingness that will just constantly take and take and take and never be filled. So I have an opposite story of this. So I shared this with you before, but it serves the point. So one time, uh, one of my kids came to me. I think Ryan, at that point, my oldest son, Ryan, was maybe a, a young teenager. Uh, it's not even that, maybe not closer to maybe nine or ten. He said, Dad, I flushed the toilet, wouldn't go down. I'm like, okay, great, you clogged the toilet. Let me show I actually got a plunger. I'm going to show you how to do this. Next, next time you do this, you're going to deal with your own mess, not me, right? You know what I'm talking about. I plunged this thing, and as I'm plunging, I just caught the peripheral out of my, I plunged and went like this, and water came up in the bathtub. And I went, oh, no. I did it again. Oh, no, this is not a clogged toilet. We have a clogged something bigger, right? Turns out the main line into our house was completely clogged. So we got under the house. At that time, our house had a crawl space. We get under there. There's a clean out under there. We pop that thing off. It just explodes. And you can imagine what's flying out of that, that pipe, okay? It was really gross. So we realized that the clog was out, and it's out towards the street near the sidewalk. It's, it's got to be somewhere in there. So I called the city. I'm like, hey, can you guys come and check it? They said, you have to prove it's either under the sidewalk or under the street and not on your property, and then we'll come look at it. I'm just like, are you kidding me? How am I going to do that? We'll say, dig a hole, break the pipe, and see if the clog's there. I'm like, oh. So literally, and it, at the time of year, I don't remember when it was, it was snowing. I'm out in my front yard digging a hole down this pipe. But at a certain point, I got the peak gravel. You ever deal with that stuff? You take a shovel out, it just fills back in. You take a shovel out, it just fills back in. And I was getting nowhere. It was really, what was really funny was the city knew I was doing it. We live in, it was, I call it a city, but the town we lived in, it's a small town. Every once in a while, somebody in their little town truck would drive by and just look what I was doing. Like 20 minutes later, they'd come by again. I wanted to just throw the shovel at the truck, you know. <laughs> Finally, they had mercy on me. They brought their back. It was their problem. But it's like that peak gravel. Every time you take a shovel, it just fills back in. Every time you take, you see, it's the opposite way with the world. When you try to fill that hole with something other than Jesus, it just goes away. And eventually, you spend all this time trying to build success. And when you achieve the success you thought would fill the hole, you go, oh, that wasn't in it. Now i got to try to achieve more and do so. Oh, you think relationship. If I can just be in this relationship, it'll fill that hole. And you get that relationship, even though it's nice, it didn't fill the hole. Well, if I thought, if I, and then we, maybe some people, uh, they chase with other things, with, with alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. There could be a thousand things in this world, hobbies. We try to fill this hole. Only Jesus can give you the water in which you'll never thirst again. That's what an encounter with Jesus can do in your life. Then what happens is, now watch this, this is amazing, is once you have Jesus, it doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean you still won't desire certain things, but your hope is in him and not achievement of those things. Therefore, you always have a sense of satisfaction and contentment with life, even when life doesn't seem to be working out this way. Isn't that right? Because I have Jesus. And that encounter with Jesus gives us what only he can satisfy. 
Here's the second thing. An encounter with Jesus changes your eternity. And this is the big picture. This is where all things are headed. So at the end of verse 14, he says that he will give him the spring of water that will well up to eternal life. That's in verse 14. So Jesus gives you only what he can give you to satisfy it, but then ultimately what he gives you changes your eternity. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse number 14, that life is like a vapor. Ecclesiastes, the, the wisdom of Solomon, asking a lot of questions at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, and then, then it sort of uh, gets to some answers near the end. He says there's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. James 4, life can be like a vapor. Now, I am I'm personally experiencing this in my life because of the age I turned this past summer, it started to hit me, my gosh, I'm more than halfway through what would be considered my physical life. Now, I already was that place, but it was this age that I hit that made it really dawn in my brain. You know what I'm talking about? Wow, I'm more than halfway through what we would consider even a healthy life. Wow, life can be like a vapor. Where is it gone? It goes fast. Here's the big picture. Again, I believe that Jesus will satisfy your practical needs. But this is the biggest need. This is the big picture. The encounter with Jesus will well up to eternal life, to everlasting life. That whoever would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Jesus has given her the big picture here. Hey, I'm going I'm to give you right now if you want it. We'll bring the satisfaction you need in this life, but this satisfaction then wells up to eternal life. Everybody's headed for an eternity. And one with God or one without him. And the only way for an eternity with God is through the grace and the mercy of Jesus that brings what wells up to eternal life. Now, this is our great hope. This is what I hope for. Again, I hope for certain things in this life. I do. But ultimately, my hope for things in this life is not the hope of eternity everlasting, like reward with God. Now, let, me, let me tell you something. Let's just put it this way. How many of you this morning have given your life to Jesus? Let me see. Okay, that's the vast majority of everybody here. Okay. The Bible says that the wage of sin is what? Death. Death. Now, are you saved? Yeah. Uh, if Jesus tarries long enough, are you going to die? Wait a second. I thought you were saved. I thought the wage of sin is taken care of. Why are you going to die? You think about that. He's going to fix it. We're still living out what it means, this kingdom now and not yet, this tension of what it means to live in him now, but the fullness of it later, right? Did you realize the only time 
that the Bible actually promises there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more mourning. Is in the new heaven, new earth. You know what that means? Even in, in salvation, even in the life of faith, we're still going to experience life. Isn't that right? And we, we hope that God is meeting our needs in our current, but we also know that the biggest picture, our greatest hope is not everything we can try to achieve now, but it's the life to come that wells into everlasting life with him. That's our great hope. There will be the resurrection of the dead. He's going to fix this wages of sin is death thing. We're living in this tension now. So listen, I have, I have plans. I, I have things that I'm trying to achieve. There's all these different things that I, I'm doing in my life. There's nothing wrong with those things. I pray about those things. I apply faith to those things. But I ultimately know if all those things don't work out, it's okay. Because everlasting life is coming. So he gives me a satisfaction now that lets me know that if these things don't work out, it's okay. But ultimately, the proof that it's okay is in everlasting life. And that's what he's bringing us. Amen. So an encounter with Jesus can change your eternity. He deals with our nows, but he also deals with your forever. You, you, you ever, uh, the, 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 what do you call them, the princess stories, they live happily ever after. Okay. You know what happily ever after is? Eternity with Jesus everlasting life with him. When he will fulfill all things, when he will make all things new, and he'll, he'll, he'll finally bake the cake, it'll be done. Finished. Amen. Okay. Here's another thing. I got, I got four of these today. Let's see. Here's what I love about this. An encounter with Jesus, he meets you right where you are. What I love in verses 16 and 19, you don't have to go there, but he met Jesus at the well, and interaction, and then, then he, he tells her things about her that only she would know in that encounter. They were strangers, but, but not really. Jesus always meets you right where you are, because you are somewhere right now, if you, if you know what I'm saying. You're somewhere right now, right? So you are somewhere right now, right here. In the situations of your life, you're somewhere right now. You see what, I'm, what I mean by that? You are where you are today, but in an encounter with Jesus, he meets you there. He doesn't say, hey, clean this up and deal with that and do this, then I'll meet with you. If you will pay attention, he will meet you right where you are. Now, now, remember last week, the woman caught in adultery? Remember, Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Now, remember, he does not condemn you where you're at. But he speaks to you where you are. He, he spoke right to her. He's like, hey, call your husband. Oh, I don't have one. Yep, I know that. Do you, you realize there is nothing about you that's a surprise to him? Nothing. You, you cannot say to him, hey, let me tell you something about me you didn't know. You can't shock him. So you might as well be honest with him. Because you're not really being honest with him, you're being honest with yourself. Right? 
right where you are in your somewhere, you can encounter him. And the thing is, he meets you there, right there. Even if, where you're, even if you're somewhere is a mess, he meets you right there. That woman, whatever her story is, where she had several husbands and the guy she's with now is not her husband, that doesn't sound like an ideal situation. Let's be honest. Chances are, chances are because of the way society worked, she was used and abused, probably. Because back in those days, a guy could just literally say, I don't want to be with you and divorce her for no reason at all. They could do that. That's why Jesus... In the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, listen, no, no more of this divorce mess unless it has to do with adultery. Let's just stop this. That was really talking to the guys. Let's just stop throwing women away because you just decided you didn't want her anymore. So chances are, I'm, I'm making a, uh, maybe a guess here, but chances are she's been discarded in her life. She was in a mess. Probably lots of hurts and pains in her past. But Jesus meets her right there. He calls it out, but he meets her right there. I want you right where you are. I want to give you something that you'll never be thirsty again. I'm going to fill that void in your life if you let me. And it's going to well up to this everlasting life. That's why I'm here. I like that he finds me wherever I am. It's like, like Judah's testimony. He was making some decisions that weren't the best decisions for his life at that time. But God would meet him where he was in that room in the darkness when nobody was with him. God met him there and he felt him. God is faithful. I am thankful for God who meets me where I am and doesn't make me jump through some hoops, walk a tightrope, climb a tree, get over that. Then maybe I've earned enough brownie points that he pays attention to me. He's not like that. Now, he doesn't leave you there, right? He doesn't leave you there. Just like the woman caught in adultery last week, he ended it by saying, now go leave your life to sin, right? Didn't he say that? Go leave your life to sin. But he met her where she was. And as we were saying last week, I can't say this enough. I say this so much in here because I need you to get this. He's always putting life in front of you for you to walk in. Always putting life in front of you if you'll walk in it. Always. That's what he does. He makes you where you are, then opens up a way. Now go this way. I don't expect you to perfect this overnight, but let's just start walking in life this way. That's what he does. Here's the last thing. An encounter with Jesus will cause you to become a light for him. Now, I want you to think about this. We need to go back and read a little bit here. Jesus meets this woman. Something happens where he's starting to give her this this water in which she'll never be thirsty again. Talks about everlasting life. She's starting to capture this, this big picture of hope. Watch what she does. Let's, let's go back here. Let me find where we're at here. Um, let's see. Where's, where are we at? Let me, I want to find this. Let's, let's go to verse 27, okay? So the disciples came back. 
John 4, 27. When his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And let's jump down to verse 39. You can go back and read that in between later. And many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, where he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said, they, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. An encounter with Jesus will cause you to become a light for him. And this is just backing up the series we did on sharing your faith not long ago. Her life was affected in such a way she could, can't, could not contain what was happening in her. And she went and told her whole town, her whole town. And they all started coming back. I mean, whatever she said grabbed them. And certainly, there, there's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. It grabbed them. And they started coming out to meet Jesus. They're talking with them. He ended up staying two more days with them. And many put their faith in him because of personal encounter with Jesus. You see that? Now, what we skipped over in between is, is actually really, really, really cool. What we skipped over in between was the whole thing where Jesus at one time said, the harvest is plentiful, it's out there. This story of the Samaritan woman sandwiches that narrative. This is the very first case we find in the Gospels of somebody who's being a harvest worker in the field. It's a Samaritan woman. Very first time we see somebody getting out there and sharing what Jesus did for them was a woman in the Bible. A Samaritan on top of it. Sharing what Jesus was doing for her. The very first evangelist we find in the Bible is a woman, a Samaritan woman. That God was beginning to move in such a way that now this word about Jesus is going to start to spread. Because ultimately, listen, everybody needs that God-shaped hole in their life filled, and everybody needs to know their eternity. Everybody. What good is it to encounter Jesus and have him change you and then do nothing with it. And I don't need to redo the whole sharing your faith series, but I feel like it right now. <laughs> what is God doing in your life? What is the evidence? What is the evidence that you've had an encounter with him? And what are you doing with that? That encounter would cause you to be a light for him in this dark world that needs him. Amen? Amen. I believe, again, the encounters with Jesus will change your life. These specific places we find ourselves in. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe what we're saying at the front of the service, maybe, maybe it's a 
place where you're lonely. Maybe, uh, maybe you've found yourself in mistakes recently. Maybe it's shame. Maybe you feel a little lost. Maybe it's a, a struggle. Now, you've met Jesus before, but you don't, it's not like you have an encounter with him and never have an encounter with him again. You can continue to live a life with interaction with him. He's constantly giving that living water, never be thirsty again, that wells up to that eternal life. I would encourage you to be with him and spend time with him. Allow him to be your source. Another place in John, that John has the great seven great I am statements. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the light of the world, right? He also says in there, I'm the bread of life. Jesus is our source. Look to him. Now, allow him, listen, allow him to be your source. Allow him to be. All these other things may be fine and nice, but allow Jesus to be your source. And you'll find that satisfaction that you really need will be there. Amen? Okay, but let's pray. Oh, Lord. We thank you so much. that you were very personal with each one of us. Just like, just like that woman at the well that you spent time with, you know the details of each one of our lives. Lord, whether or not we wish that you would. We know there is nothing about us that surprises you. Because you know. And I pray that each one of us here, that we do understand that even though you know us in that way that you love us, that you're here for us, you're with us. And I pray, Lord, that we, we allow ourselves to be led into life by you because the things within us, Lord, that... that really are not to be there, that you'll help us change and live a new life. So we thank you so much for reaching out to us and not leaving us as we are. You love us. You provide for us. But you change us. I pray each one of us, we, we have marked moments of our life where we, have, we meet you in certain ways. There's no shadow of a doubt that it's you. Not that you just save us, and we thank you for our salvation, but, but you're, you're taking us somewhere, a life with you, learning what it means to be a disciple of you. We thank you for that, Lord. 
So, so how about right, right where you're at in your seat, whether you're watching online, whatever you're doing, I, just, I want you to invite Jesus to meet with you and do whatever he wants to do in your life. Go ahead and invite him to do that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, Lord, clean out the corners of our lives. Clean it out. Help us there. In Jesus' name. Lord, for where there's loneliness, I pray that you bring presence. Where there's failure, I, I pray that you bring contentment. Where there's a feeling of being lost, I pray that you shine a light on the way. We thank you, Lord. Lord, have your way with each one of us. Have your way. In Jesus' name. How many of you have had what you would consider encounters with Jesus in your life? Let me see. Anybody? You know, in that movie I was referencing, I only remember two parts of it. I remember the end with the alien thing, but there was a part where the guy, uh, the main character, was in a pickup truck by the railroad track. Remember that part? And uh, I, just the UFO or whatever it was came by, and the, and the railroad lights started flashing. His truck was shaking. I don't know. You may have an encounter with Jesus like that. He may, he may physically, something happened. But a lot of times it's very subtle, too. It can be both. He works in the ways that you need. That, that's what I love. He works in the ways that you need. He shows himself in the ways that you need. It's very particular to you. Amen? Seek him out. Allow him. And I, I, I believe I find that these, these marked moments of your life that, that you're living with him, these, these are stepping stones. Have you ever had moments where you kind of doubted? Who, who, let's be honest. Yeah. See, moments where you kind of doubt or you have some doubt, it happens. Listen, I, I don't trust people who say, I never, never doubt. I, I don't trust people like that. I find it very false, very putting on a mask. I think everybody has moments where you doubt a little bit sometimes. But what happens is when you have marked encounters with Jesus, you can always look back and say, oh, yeah, I doubt. But you know what? I, there is no doubt. I remember that. You know what I'm talking about? I remember, yeah, okay, all right, doubt. Get lost. Jesus has marked me. He changed me. I'm going somewhere. And this is evidence because I've had these encounters. Right? So as you're living with him, you have these moments, you know, you know grab hold of them. Because these are, these are ways that he's reminding you of who he is. Not just in that moment, but as you think back. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing with you. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Amen? All right. Good deal. Wednesday night, come on out. Bring somebody with you next Sunday. By the way, if you were with us Wednesday night, right in the middle of our message, the whole neighborhood lost power. We were in the dark. It was the coolest thing ever because we just kept preaching. But I forgot about the kids. They were down in the dark. I kept preaching. It was wild. Anyways, um, all right, next Sunday morning, bring a friend with you. We'll see you there. Have a blessed week.
one, one quick announcement. If you are, if you are planning on going on the Midwest, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Midwest shooting range outing, they want to talk right now. So come see Tom. They want to talk about their outing, okay?